So hello and welcome to the October Security Brief here with the Insulary and uh, ZX Security. Um, welcome to everyone who's watching us live. And uh, I'd also like to say hello to um, Ian White down in Wellington. Good to have you again, as always. Hey, mate. Hey, very nice to meet you. It's good to get a bit of a change up as well, too. I see you'll be uh, taking the taking the chat this week instead of Jeremy. So, Ian, how you, how's it going? Yeah, very good, mate. Thanks very much. So you can hear me okay now, can you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. I don't know. It's oh. my end. What's going on? That's no worries. But yeah, I was just saying uh, it's... Uh, so it's good to see that you, um, yourself would be leading this going forward instead of Jeremy, from what I've been told. Is that true? Yeah, so we just decided Jeremy had too much hair um, and uh, <laughs> he's too busy with other things. So I'll be picking up going forwards. Um, for those people out there who don't know me, I'm the uh, general manager of security here at, uh, at the Ancillary. Um, known Ian for a while now, so uh, hopefully it will be a good chat. So this... Um, this month, I wanted to pick up on a couple of themes. Uh, one was following on from the conversation you had with Jeremy yeah. last last month, talking about the um, commercialization of uh, the, the criminal activity. So the DDoS attacks that you were talking about last time had um, a slightly different uh, perspective this time around in that we, the um, targets were being asked to provide ransoms for the DDoS to stop. So it wasn't just nuisance. There was actually a financial motivation there. And I think the other thing that we've seen just recently is a bit of a pickup in terms of um, actual ransomware. So um, there's been some fairly sort of high profile cases recently over the last few months. So I wanted to really just have a chat with you around um, what insight you can give us around the sort of ransomware in New Zealand? You know, is it, is it something that we're seeing more of now? Is it, um, is it just a different type of ransomware? It's a very good question. And um, there's kind of two parts to what you've just discussed there. Um, the first part I'd probably, as, as, a, as a word of caution, what I would say is there's a number of people out in the industry or in the, the social media sphere at the moment discussing exactly the amount of ransomware that is happening. But it's very hard for an individual private business to actually truly know to what level of ransomware is happening in New Zealand because who the hell bloody knows? We only know what we know from the clients that we deal with as much as our competitors know from the clients they deal with. The, the kind of organizations that would have a better bearing would potentially be um, CERT-NZ, which is um, a Computer Emergency Response Team NZ, which is a, a pseudo-government government ministry um, spun up by NBIE. And also then you have the likes of the GCSB or NCSC as well too. So it's very hard to know exactly to what level um, the amount of ransomware yeah. is not at the moment. But for sure, from a, from a public sphere point of view, there definitely does seem to be more that's hitting the news in the last kind of 18 months, especially ramping up over COVID. Um, potentially that could be due, with, due to a lot of people working from home and just the awareness of things can happen when you're on the internet the whole time. Um, and then to kind of touch on your second point as well, too, discussing the, the modes of ransomware. I think the biggest thing that we can definitely factually see that has happened in the last kind of 15 months would be, um, as we discussed with before going live, is previously there would just be ransomware and someone would say, hey, we've decrypted your thing. If you don't pay us enough money, we will yeah. never get decrypted. Um, but what they're doing now is they're, as much as they are encrypting it and asking for a ransom or asking for a sum of money, they're also copying the database as well, too. So if someone just says, oh, we're not paying it, we've got a backup. But they're saying, oh, well, we'll just release your database to the internet. And the really interesting they're using sure. from a 
resume or from a CV point of view is they're saying, hey, we also did this company's and this company's and this company's and this company's ransom, and you've seen their database has never been leaked, so if you pay us a ransom, we'll be true to our word. So they're actually trying to be very ethical about how they're doing it. That's the most interesting thing that I've seen. Yeah, I and we, we've also seen um, instances where you almost get a kind of service contract with, you know, that, that, that they're presenting this as though it's some kind of contract implied. Yeah, um, and sure. and you know, these are very, very, orga they're organized um, groups that are doing this. Do you, do you have any insight around the type of people that are doing these kind of attacks now? Um, it's, again, it's very, very hard to, to pinpoint exactly who the people are. Yes, there are certain organizations that have names and they have effectively a reputation as any business would do. Um, around the efficacy of how they do things and everything is done correctly. And just like you discussed, um, there's one or two that I am aware of from members of ZX showing me that they literally have chatbots and they'll open up a window just like a Facebook chat and start chatting to them. And they're very yeah. friendly and they have a full concierge surface, um, service on how to how to deal with them, which is which is pretty scary. But in relation to the, the type of organizations, again, there's all these discussions about whether it's nation state or it's sponsored attacks or it's just people just being assholes for the sake of being assholes. Like, it is very hard to pinpoint exactly who these businesses are. There's certain, again, you'd have to be discussing those kind of details with people like CertNZ or with the NCSC or the Bureau. But again, I don't think they're going to be divulging a lot of their information and the Bureau or NCSC anytime soon. But um, CERT do definitely try and be as um, open as possible about what they can be open about. Sure. So um, I wonder if we can just talk a little bit about what kind of methods people are using to actually get the ransomware onto the onto the machines. I think people understand what ransomware is. I think you know there's a general understanding of that. But how are the how are these attackers actually getting the stuff onto onto people's infrastructure? Yeah, it's really it's really interesting. So kind of the, the, the two things that I'll talk about here are. One of the biggest ones that I am seeing with the clients that we deal with and from having conversations with the staff internally at ZX would be email compromising. So what that would be is lack of two-factor authentication on someone's um, device or someone's email um, platform and then having the ability to um, infiltrate their email system and then effectively send emails to random people, click on these links, whatever, and then have ransom payloads within the links that they send but the other ones are definitely unpatched systems, which you've seen um, from recollection would be um, Toll Group. I think, again, they, Toll Group at the start of this year wasn't a targeted attack. It was effectively, they had an unpatched system. Some random person from some random place just sent a bug out into the world and just to see who yeah. just patched and it managed just to be that one. <laughs> and so those are kind of the two that I um, are, I'm seeing the most, but on an individual level, and from a New Zealand level, again, from looking at the stats um, from CertNZ, um, email compromise would be the biggest one. Yeah, and I think I think this is, you know, it's another example of just doing the basics right. We, we you know, we, I think as security professionals, we obviously, we often get quite bored about just telling people the same things over and over again, but it is about, you know, getting those basics right, do your patching, do your two-factor authentication, make sure your people know about phishing, um, you know, there's yeah. there's no sort of real clever stuff behind this, is there? It's just getting those basics done right. You're dead right. There's no magic to it. It's very simple. Um, you know, if if 99% of the population in New Zealand had 2FA on everything and had some form of patch management system, New Zealand at itself would be at a much better level in relation to kind of security robustness um, across the whole yeah. level. And we 
we would be as, as soft and as target as some of us see us. Yeah, and I think the other the other question really is always around you know do you pay a ransom? So you've, you've, you're in that situation, um, you know you've got that dilemma about do I pay the ransom? You know think about the ethical implications of that, uh, but just get my stuff back quickly, or do I not pay and you know and, and deal with whatever I have to deal with? What what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, my, my thoughts uh, again are. We'll get a lot of people in, in the industry and be, be, they will be very binary on this matter and they'll be either yes you do or no you don't but i think um my, my approach to this unfortunately is again if, if the world was great no you wouldn't but again sometimes people need to pay the ransom in order for their business to survive because without it their business effectively yeah. is and it's gone and there's a number of um, cases like that that have happened over the past period of time so again it isn't as binary as you don't pay to you do it a lot of it depends on it if this is your livelihood and if you don't pay, like, what do you do then? You know, um, yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's unfortunately, um, it's not as simple as, as an answer to go yes or no. Yeah, and I guess also with things like critical infrastructure or, um, you know, government agencies, health agencies, there's that uh, sort of additional potential of, of lives actually being at risk or, um, you know, you, you know the, the real physical impact of, of a ransomware that you need to think about as well. Yeah, I 100% agree with you exactly. So that, and that's exactly why I would suggest that it's not as binary as yes or no. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you spoke a little bit about CertNZ and the statistics that they um, that they gather. Can you can you tell us a bit more about what CertNZ is? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll give you my, my understanding of what CertNZ is from having dealt with them before and knowing some people inside there, but. I think the, the first step that I would say is definitely check the official sources and go on to, I think I, I assume it's certnz.gov.co.nz. Um, or if you just Google certnz, it will come up. But um, certnz was a, a, a ministry spun up uh, within MBIE that is tasked with helping um, private businesses within New Zealand and public as well too, I, I assume, to, a, to a, a level before it gets kicked up to the, to the Bureau or the NCSC yeah. that tackling um, cyber activity. Um, so they send out a quarterly report, um, which uh, is consumable for anyone that wants to sign up to it. And it will discuss all the types of um, uh, attacks that have been happening in private businesses over the over that quarter and how much money has been lost as well, too. So it gives you some really good stats and understanding of, oh, crap, my business is in this silo that's getting attacked a lot. I should really care about security. Yeah. Um, and they've got some really, really good professionals that work inside there as well, too. Um, Simon, the um, director of ZX as well too, was also on one of the founding advisory groups or boards, I'm not sure what the official term was, about setting up CertNZ, as were a number of other um, uh, really, really good professionals that I know uh, in, the, in the industry as well too. Yeah. So I think, um, I guess the other thing to uh, touch on there is that right now, any, any reporting um, is voluntary right there's no there's no requirement to or certainly outside of government there's no requirement for private organizations to report um any any incidents um but mandatory disclosure is coming so it's going to come to a point where um any any breaches that are um you know fit certain criteria will be notifiable how do you think that's going to impact on the um people's decisions to pay ransoms or not and, and also, yeah. just before you answer that, there's also been some stuff that's come out recently from America around um, the American government is potentially going to be uh, 
sort of mandating that that paying ransoms is actually illegal because of the um, because you're refunding crime. So, you know, what do, what do you think the impact of that kind of legislation here and the mandatory um, disclosure is going to be on on people's decisions around ransoms? Yeah, so there's kind of three kind of parts to that question there that you've just kind of posed, which is something you could just speak on again for an hour within itself. But um, to just go into the very yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> in relation to um, mandatory um, disclosure, I, I do think it's a good thing for sure. Um, I think definitely from the just from the point of view of it will create more awareness around exactly what's going on and not from a fearful point of view, but more of, okay, we've got to get our shit together as a, as a whole society in relation to security. Um, I, I am yeah. aware from reading that uh, from the onset, I think if I'm correct, the, 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 um, the fee you could get slapped with, I think it's $10,000 if you don't disclose. And as, as, as I'm aware, yeah. that is just the starting figure that will probably ramp up over time. Um, but right now, if you were to get a penetration test done or some security consulting done by like a really good business or consultancy within New Zealand, you'd be paying far more than, um, than $10,000. Um, you know, an average pen test, a 40 hour engagement is about 12 grand. So there's kind of the way off between, oh, I'll just pay the ransom and I won't get tested. Um, so it, it should be up above the area. So it should be 40 grand or 50 grand where I'd rather get tested than, get, uh, than pay a ransom. So there needs to be that discussion and there needs to be having the public sector and the private sector having discussions around what the rates are and what would, what would tip people to getting tested and just waiting to pay a ransom because otherwise they'll just wait to pay a ransom. Um, but from the um, yeah. point of things illegal, that's another very interesting discussion because what may happen then is there could be a huge dark dark market that goes on as well too, which is exactly what sure. happened with um, with Garmin and then then paying the ransom to a French business a, a, a middleman. And I think today they came out and said that the U.S. government said, "Oh, because we haven't signed off this new illegal thing, Garmin can get away with it." But going forward, this is the way it is. But I would assume if you know anyone in any of the, in any of the BVIs, the British Virgin Isles. Islands or in Panama or in Seychelles, I, I assume you'll be setting up trusts there very quickly in some form of a payment system. Yeah, that's 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 my take on that. I think it's, that's an in, I think that's a really interesting insight. Yeah, sorry, what I was going to say is I think that's a really interesting insight. Is that you know it might it may not actually have the impact that they or, or the effect that they want. So instead of instead of sort of you know stopping the funds from getting to the to the uh, you, you know the, the criminals, all they're doing is they're creating another industry that allows you to effectively an escrow industry for ransoms to yeah. be paid. And I, I think I think that's definitely what will happen. I know if I was in the industry of working with um, uh, in the Seychelles or in Panama, I would definitely see this as a huge opportunity. If I was running a business, saying, "Cool, we can we can promote ourselves and market ourselves with this, and not, no one can do anything for it because yeah. it's in our jurisdiction, and no one knows who we're dealing with." So. I think they're licking their lips at the moment, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's that's quite a nice um, lead into the sort of final area that I wanted to talk about, which was this the, the and, and you touched on it a little bit around the, the you know cost of penetration tests and, and that kind of stuff. But you know, what are the the cost of um, protecting yourself against ransom versus paying the ransom, and then versus you know, recovering if you choose not to pay. So I've seen some stats quite recently that have shown that, you know, in a, in a lot of cases, the cost of recovery of not paying a ransom is can be far in excess of the actual ransom itself. So, uh, you know, what are you, where do you see those, um, 
that kind of tension um, sort of pulling people. Do you, do you, you know, ideally yeah. security professionals, we'd like to see people putting the money up front and the protection, obviously. But Yeah, I think um, it's, it's a really good question. And again, it's, it, it, a lot of it is a maturing lesson for a lot of either board members or people in a C-suite position to, um, to push the position of, would you rather pay for that ransom and then pay for everything that goes on afterwards or do a little bit beforehand? Yeah. Um, I can't remember the woman's name, but I think she was or is in one of the uh, big banks in Canada. She has a specifically a budget set aside for something like this every year. Not for if ransom happens right. like the day before, but this is, this is what, if it's going to be 2 million if we do get effed up, it's going to be about 50 grand if we don't. But let's just pay 50 grand every year. And they, they've worked out some calculation that that's the amount we need to pay if anything, so just so we have the, the the critical assets that can't get owned completely. So from a business's right. point of view, it, yeah. it's an easy investment. If you were to invest either 50 grand or then 500 grand worth of a ransom and then doing all these forensics and then patching everything afterwards, you'd way rather do the 50 grand beforehand. It's a, it's a pretty easy business position for any knowledgeable or logical person, in my opinion. So having the discussion of oh would you pay the ransom and then go into the, all the other stuff afterwards the most dangerous thing is the businesses that i'm aware of that pay the ransom and then do nothing afterwards they affect they think that it, yeah. the problem has disappeared and unfortunately there's a huge amount of those businesses that will pay the 50 or 60 grand ransom and never get their their systems changed because they just think they'll never be attacked again yeah and and i mean that's another interesting point right do you do you think that there's this, anecdotally, yeah. people talk about if you pay the ransom, you become known as a payer, and so you're more likely to be targeted again. Do you, is, do you think that's true? I mean, it's, I guess it's difficult to know because there just aren't the statistics behind it. But what's your impression? You were known within that underground industry because there could be members of that, that hacker gang, or whatever you want to call them, some weird word, that have that have paid that you've paid ransom to before they go and join another one and say hey we hit this company a couple of years ago why don't we hit them again but that's why i would say if a business does pay a ransom be sure they get proper security professionals in to look yeah. at the whole system and build it in such a manner that it can't be penetrated the same way as before and have a proper program of work to ensure their robustness is maturing over time because the last thing you want to see again like i say because i've seen it is businesses pay the ransom because they need to for the business to survive but then have exhausted their budget or say, oh, that's the next quarter's budget. We're going to look at fixing things. But then stuff happens and they never get back to doing that. And then they'll yeah. be a year later and go, Ian, I'm so sorry, but it's happened again. Uh, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's probably an understatement, right? Annoying. <laughs> yeah, it is. Because um, I think... <laughs> You are happy as a business to take people's money because that's your profession, that's your business. But at the same time, you want to see the industry get better and people get better and become more aware because obviously the end goal is to make ourselves obsolete, um, which I don't think that will happen in our lifetime. But um, it's definitely just seeing businesses becoming more mature and better over time for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, look, I think we're getting towards the end of our time now. Um, just uh, just to kind of wrap everything up, we, we've talked a little bit about this, but you know, in terms of protecting yourself against ransomware, what do you think are the, the, the key takeaways? Yeah, I think the key takeaways to protect yourself against ransomware is have a solid 2FA in relation to email compromising. So make sure you have 2FA turned on and everything. And that's just not for your business, that's for your public life as well too. So whether that's your Facebook, 
or your um, your ANZ bank account um, as well too for your own transactions. And also the biggest thing as well too is whether it's discussing with a, an external third party independent security team or having someone champion security good and robust um, patch management system. I think that would mitigate most ransom where attacks. Yeah, cool. Well, listen, thanks for your time again. It's always a pleasure speaking to you. And for everyone who's been watching us, um, apologies for the slight technical difficulties. Um, it's, it's live, shows that it's live. Uh, but uh, we hope to see you again next month. I'm sure we'll have a, another interesting discussion. I don't know what's on the plate, but we'll see what comes up. So thanks for tuning in to the uh, October Security Brief on Top Shelf Tech with um, ZX Security, and we'll see you next time.